Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. Breaking down Super Wild Card Weekend. Our four best bets for the Wild Card Games on Saturday and Sunday. We touched on Eagles-Bucks on the Monday edition. Not really much else to say on that game, but we do have a lot to say about our four best bets. So stay tuned for those. We'll also be joined by Matt Saint, who won the Circus Sports Million Contest over the weekend. A million dollars. God bless Matt Saint. We'll talk with him about his process and the experience later on in the show, picking five NFL spreads each week. But before we get into it, Mel, remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever the lines releases a new sports betting video on any market. You can also follow Mo on X, Twitter, whatever Elon Musk wants to call it these days, at Monoir with two W's. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. Follow the lines at the lines. U.S. Subscribe, rate, and review, all that good stuff. If you're a listener of the audio-only edition of the podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. We are 41-24 and with spreads and totals in the NFL season. We'll create a new record for the playoffs, even though it's been a great NFL year for both of us, Mo. But how are you feeling? You're two days away from experiencing the tundra or at least very cold weather Heading over to Arrowhead for Chiefs Dolphins on Saturday yourself. Probably. It's not set in stone. Still trying to make sure my buddy can get Saturday off. He has on-call shifts, unfortunately, and he is scheduled. So we're trying to bribe people right now. Assuming the bribes <laughs> go through uh, to get that swapped over, I think that the plan is to go there. Seeing updated forecasts could be minus 14 to 20, it sounds like. Wouldn't have it any other way. I was going to say, I'm not going to the game if I'm here in that kind of weather. By the way, I made these hypothetical odds for you showing up for Monday's show. Not that you wouldn't. It's not like you're going to a poker tournament, but just because you may be sick. Plus 140, yes. Minus 165, no. That's awful. I, Plus I think you're 140? Yeah. Oh my God. No, I mean, I might show up without a finger or, or the edge of my nose, but I'll make it. All right. I give you props for that. We're going to see Tua make his first career playoff start in that game and four quarterbacks making their first career postseason appearance. CJ Stroud, obviously a rookie. Tua, Mason Rudolph, and Jordan Love to wrap it up with Packers and Cowboys. And we'll discuss that game later on. But Quarterbacks making their first career playoff start coming against quarterbacks that have experience. So keep that in mind. Sure, you've heard this trend at least once or at least seen it this week. 21 and 38 against the spread since 2003. I think that's a bunch of noise, especially when you go back to last year in the playoffs, Skylar Thompson being the highlight. All three quarterbacks making their first career postseason start covered last year. And Thompson as around like a 13. 14-point dog at the Bills doing so in that first game on Sunday. I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. I'm betting on two quarterbacks that are making their first career start in the postseason. So what say you about that, trend? I think it's legitimate in some ways. I mean, I would say a lot of these guys are probably on the road in tough environments playing really good teams. I mean, first-time quarterbacks, especially – Rookies, they don't tend to be on that strong of teams, right? So I could see, you know, playoff pressure getting to them and being on the road and environment that's different. You know, the playoffs are different. I mean, it's not as different as like 
NBA uh, <clears throat> or even like the way a baseball playoff game is managed, you know, those can turn into sort of completely different sorts of games that then you'll even ever see during the regular season for the most part. I mean, there might be the odd game here and there that's somewhat treated like a playoff game, but yeah, it's just, you know, I think there could be something behind it, but a lot of those guys were in tough situations this year. We have, you know, CJ Stroud playing at home, stuff like that. You know, I think that helps obviously. And then like a situation like two is in, yeah, that's going to be very tough. You're playing in one of the toughest places to play. It's going to be freezing and the chiefs have a very good defense. So um, would I hold it against Tua if he stunk up the joint? Probably not really, not any more so than I, I think I already feel about him. You know, I, I'm not that high on two. I think he's just like an okay quarterback. And that's probably how I would feel at the end of that game. If the chiefs, you know, win 20 to 14 or whatever. Well, we at least have different lines of thought on chiefs dolphins, which we'll discuss later on, but CJ Stroud, you mentioned him. So Browns at Texans, Cleveland, a two and a half point road favorite minus minus one ten actually at some shops. So we are seeing a little bit of movement towards the Texans, not necessarily dipping in the spread, but juice wise, at least total of 44 and a half. That total is up from 43 and a half where it was at earlier in the week. If you go back to when these two teams squared off in week 16, line close Cleveland minus three Browns win by double figures. Amari Cooper breaking the Browns single game receiving yardage record with 265, just obliterating that Texan secondary. And if you look at how the Texans cornerbacks matched up on Cooper. Steven Nelson allowed two receptions on three targets for 29 yards and 97.9 passer rating. Derek Stingley, the second year first round cornerback, four targets, three catches, 43 yards, a touchdown allowed along with a pick and a 109.4 passer rating. Also, key injury news on the Texans defensive front. Will Anderson didn't play in that week 16 game. He has yet to practice this week, as of Wednesday, we're recording this a bit earlier on Thursday. And sack leader for the Texans, Jonathan Grenard, didn't practice on Wednesday either. But there is a positive notion from Texans beat reporters that both were around in practice on Wednesday and they could end up suiting up. If they don't, you have to wonder how much the Browns' backup tackles really matter in this game. And Texans struggled to get pressure on Flacco without Will Anderson on the field in that week 16 matchup from week nine onward to Texans ranked number 21 in EPA per dropback allowed. And some of those matchups included Russell Wilson, Zach Wilson, Texans lost by 20 plus points at the jets. Will Levis twice, Joe Flacco and Gardner Minshew. So big mismatch for this Browns offense and Joe Flacco, a veteran quarterback going up against an inexperienced quarterback. If the Texans don't have their two key players on the defensive line, it's going to be difficult for Houston to cover this game, right? Also, Jerry Hughes, probably more of a situational pass rusher at this point in his career, but, you know, big-time sack artist in his day. Uh, has had a great career, mostly for the Bills. <clears throat> um, yeah, he has not practiced as well, so a lot of injuries there to monitor. On the other hand, you have Amari Cooper who has not practiced as well, so that's obviously massive. I mean... You already talked about the line he put up last time, but just in general, I mean, he's just been really great for them pretty much all year, but seems to have especially hit a new level of chemistry with Joe Flacco. So 
I'm interested in the Texans still, but it doesn't look like a three is coming. Obviously, some concerning injuries in their playmaking as well. You definitely do not want to be running out John Mechie and something Xavier Hutchinson at receiver. <laughs> not a good situation to be in. So we'll see how Noah Brown and uh, <clears throat> Robert Woods end up going. Uh, I believe Woods did end up logging into practice. Noah Brown, I don't think so. I'm guessing he's out, but... Yeah, Grenard is a very important piece for sure. Um, coaching as well is also in my notes here. A lot of hate towards the Texans' offensive staff in NFL podcast verse this week. All those shows I listen to, just everyone furious that they are just plunging into a cloud of dust multiple times. Uh, I believe something like, 40 yards they produced on all their first down runs against the Colts or something. So pretty rough situation there. Hopefully they're looking at the tape. Hopefully they understand what this Browns defense is. And no matter what they do, they're going to have to just ride CJ Stroud, win, lose, or I guess you can't draw, but <laughs> you know, it, it's just, it's just win, win, you know, either you win the game and CJ Stroud gets a big W or you take a loss and it's still his rookie year and he learns from it and gets a lot better. So, uh, you know, they just need to just make CJ Stroud the focus and this passing game and, and try to hit this Browns defense where teams have, have accumulated some big passing yards at times on them. Um, the Rams, uh, can't recall if the Ravens did or not. I think that was mostly just Trump surviving on off. the ground turnovers as well in the first game for sure. But, you know, the Colts obviously had that huge game against them. So um, some of these indoor games, they have been beaten up by opposing passing games. So I think that bodes a little bit well for the Texans here as well. Definitely an interesting matchup and one where I do like the Texans at three. I just don't really see that happening at this point. Like you said, the way the market has been moving. It is looking like they're expecting some points, though, which I think I agree with. I was leaning to the over when I initially looked this one over. Yeah, and the market with you on that number, too, up to up above the key number of 44 when it comes to totals. You mentioned Stroud. So looking at Stroud against man coverage defenses, or in the Browns case, they play a mix of cover one, second most cover one rate in the NFL, and fourth most man coverage rate around 36%. And Stroud against man coverage this season among 39 qualified quarterbacks ranks 22nd in completion percentage, right around 52%, 52%, 53%, 38th in EPA per dropback of 39 quarterbacks and a touchdown rate of 3.4% and his touchdown rate overall this year, 4.6. So it dips quite a bit when you look at how he performs against man coverage. Grant Delpit potentially back at safety this week for the Browns. I mentioned on the Monday edition of Beat the Closing Number, I may be looking at a Texans teaser leg. I think I'm going to stay away from this game completely, especially with the market shifting above the key number of 44 when it comes to the total. Yeah, Delpit back would certainly be nice. Uh, big, big Grant Delpit fan. Have been since his days at LSU. Yeah, I, I'm still concerned about this Browns offense. Though I don't really believe in Flacco because the metrics don't believe in Flacco. So I I watched the last game they played 
against the Texans, and I thought he made multiple incredible throws. I just question how repeatable that is. It may be repeatable against this secondary. We'll see if Houston winds up shadowing Cooper, and we'll see how effective Cooper is too. Or you can go with a safety over the top and try to put Stingley on one of the other Browns receivers just to try to make Cooper beat you off of double teams and force Flacco into more mistakes. We'll see how D'Amico Ryans and the Texan staff winds up playing it. You mentioned some of those first down runs against Indianapolis. Maybe the Texans staff, when it came to film, was looking at the Colts run defense without Grover Stewart, because clearly that defensive front is much different with and without Stewart in the lineup. But it sounds like no play for both of us with this Browns and Texans game. That won't be the case, at least for me, with Dolphins and Chiefs. Kansas City up to a four and a half point home favorite. Keep in mind the line to open on Sunday night at KC minus one and a half. Total between 44, 45 and a half as it opened at 47 and a half. And we touched on the weather from the get-go on this show. Eight degrees is looking like the projection for the temperature. Wind chill projected at negative 14 degrees with 17 mile per hour winds. Good luck to you, Bo. The Dolphins, good luck to Miami, but... To preface, I am betting on the Dolphins. Miami one and seventeen straight up, four and thirteen and one against the spread since January of twenty seventeen. When played in sub fifty degree weather, I smirk at that trend just because this is a completely different Dolphins team, and I get the narrative around Tua. But for Mimo, I just think this line is a little bit inflated with that narrative mixed in, and there are some key injuries to keep in mind too that. I'll get to, if you look at Wednesday's walkthrough and practice, limited participants would have been Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, Devon Achan, Raheem Mostert, Teron Armstead. And keep in mind, Armstead was projected to not practice on Tuesday. So that is good news from the Dolphins from that perspective. Liam Eichenberg, their center, and Jalen Ramsey all would have been limited participants, at least on the projection no Deshaun Elliott, Javon Holland, Xavier Howard, already without Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, and Andrew Van Ginkle when it comes to their pass rush. But the reason why I like Miami above the key number of three and inching above four, Mo, is you look at this Chiefs run defense, bottom 10 in the NFL when it comes to DVOA and EPA per carry allowed. And they also struggled when it came to limiting opposing rushing attacks and explosive carries and Miami has the most explosive rushes in the NFL eighth best run block win rate and that's key if you get Armstead and Eichenberg on the field also you go back to that week nine game where Miami lost by seven I know Kansas City was up 21 zip at half but Mostert seven yards a carry so I do think there is something to the Dolphins being able to run the ball and that also plays into Tua's hands even though he's going to be in cold conditions which is not in his favor to say the least Elite off play action and the second best quarterback rating against man coverage. Also elite when being blitzed, which as you well know, is a Steve Spagnolo special. So I do think there may be a little bit more success for Miami's passing game. If you have Hill and Waddle on the field and if you're able to run the football and running the football also plays to grinding clock. And even if you do think Mahomes has success against the Dolphins banged up secondary, Miami ranks 26th in adjusted pace. So being able to grind clock, being able to keep Mahomes off the field above the key number of three 
and with this line move is certainly going in my favor unless the Dolphins face a negative game script. But with that said, with this Dolphins defense banged up, I don't think you're going to see Miami being able or Kansas City being able to pull away offensively. Chiefs, as you well know too, number 11 offensively in EPA per play, league high 44 drops, also league average in red zone efficiency. Mahomes also much more efficient against zone defenses, which is notable just because the Chiefs' explosiveness when it comes to their wide receivers and even Travis Kelsey at this point in his career, not as explosive against man coverage and Mahomes also not as efficient like I touched on against man coverage. So I like Miami with this line move. I'm not saying I would have bet the Dolphins at plus one and a half or even plus three, but at four and a half, Mo, it was a bet for me. You're going to be at this game. So how are you playing it or betting it? I know we were touching on the total a bit in our discussion earlier in the week, but anything for you? Probably not, but maybe some props. Not not major markets, I don't think. Um, yeah, interesting line movement. A lot of Chiefs love for sure. Uh, I believe this touched five a lot of places uh, <clears throat> in the past 24 to 36 hours, something like that. Coming back down to four and a half. Uh, I, I don't share your optimism for the Dolphins. Um, practice reports, I think, were pretty poor. I think when you lose your entire secondary, especially on a short week, here i'm struggling to imagine these guys coming back um especially like javon holland is really important he's really good uh the chiefs very healthy other than tackle but i think when you look at these miami pass rushers which is this unit is just threadbare at this point uh these guys they're running out i mean this is an all-star pass rushing group from 2017 bruce irvin Melvin Ingram and Justin Houston, these guys would be these guys would be ferocious uh opponents six years ago. But now I'm just like couple former Chiefs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Ingram <laughs> and Houston. Houston was a great chief, man. Ingram did his part. You know, I thought he was a solid addition and would have been happy if he came back to the Chiefs. Um, but definitely his best days are behind him. And I I sh- just struggle to imagine these guys really getting a lot of heat on Mahomes, and if they can't which overpowering these tackles has been one of the main ways to get to Mahomes this year uh then i think he's probably going to have some success against this miami secondary which is also threadbare i feel for dolphins fans at this point with how many injuries this team has racked up it's been pretty amazing i just if Andy Reid can't win this game, then he's probably washed because the Chiefs are the better team and they're at home and the Dolphins have lost a lot of pieces. Tua in the cold, I was looking this up. This is ugly. Five coldest games in his career, 0-5, five, five touchdowns, seven picks. I wish the Dolphins uh, good luck with that because I don't, I don't know that it's going to go well. Also... I think the Chiefs are going to have some success in the screen game. I was looking up some of the tackling stuff. Really poor on the Dolphins' end, and that's with their starters. They've been one of the worst tackling teams in the NFL this year. Uh, Rushy Rice and Isaiah Pacheco, I guess, are probably the main two guys you would want to look for uh, who might be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, but these are going to be just dump-offs pretty much. I mean, so that's why I was thinking maybe Rasheed Rice over catches looked pretty good and Mahomes over completions. I think it's 23 and a half. Could see a lot of short stuff here trying to 
attack this zone. Uh, Fangio likes to play the too high stuff. He likes to uh, back off and keep everything in front of him. So I, I think the Chiefs might try to do what they've been doing in the playoffs the last couple of years as teams try to t- keep everything in front of them. Try to essentially turn these guys into runners and, and see if they can make yards after the catch. So uh, those might be some props to look for in this spot. I think Travis Kelsey to score around plus 120 might be decent too. Um, Taylor Swift on Peacock. You're definitely, so your point about the running is, I I get it, but it's also like, I've seen this against the Chiefs for six years now, basically since Mahomes took over. Like so many poor run defenses, teams come in, they try to do it, it doesn't work. It just never, ever, ever works. But so my it, counter to you with that is this isn't the same Chiefs offense that can pull away. So I'm not saying Miami wins this game outright, but I actually kind of think to your point about Andy Reid, if the Chiefs don't win this game, Andy Reid is washed. I think the Dolphins have a coaching advantage with Mike McDaniel and Vic Fangio going up against Andy Reid and Matt Nagy. And Spagnolo, just from the standpoint that if, if the Dolphins can control the script and run the ball, Despite the narrative of two and cold weather, the matchups favor the Dolphins offensively. Yeah, like, but that's that's what I'm getting at is is there's all these teams that on paper should have ran the ball all over the Chiefs. Derrick Henry, you know, uh, multiple strong rushing attacks they faced. The Eagles. But that was such. I mean, going back to that Super Bowl team in 21, that was. Such an explosive Chiefs offense, just juxtaposed to this one when they pulled away from Tennessee late in that first half. Yeah, I'm just saying there's all these teams that should have been able to run the ball, and they really couldn't. So I'm just always skeptical when I see that okay. at this point. But that being said, I mean, A-Chan is a hell of a weapon for sure. So uh, we'll see how that goes for the Chiefs. But yeah, like you said, could be a live betting opportunity. You know, <clears throat> Miami goes down, you know, 10-3, whatever it is, late in the second. Maybe you just hit the Chiefs minus six and a half or whatever it is at that point uh, because I struggle to imagine them having any success in this game if they're not running the ball well because that, that's that been a way to attack the Chiefs. And, and I'm always skeptical of that, but like I said, if he does find some creases, there's few guys you would uh, be more scared of hitting a crease at this point than uh, HN. So, you know... Where other running backs might get 15 to 20, he might get 60. Also big with Mostert. Not only is, I think it's pretty much guaranteed that he's going to play, even though he's been a limited participant with these couple of walkthroughs, but the fact that he didn't play last week, you mentioned that Kansas City, pretty healthy outside of their tackles, and they had a bye essentially against the Chargers with all those guys sitting out. But Mostert not playing against the Bills probably benefits him and if Miami's going to win this game or cover, they have to run the ball to both of our points. So Dolphins going to need some explosive rushing plays for sure. On to the Sunday wildcard slate. Packers at Cowboys, Dallas. Still around a seven and a half point favorite, but we are seeing some money coming in on the Packers with Cowboys. There are some even money, seven and a half's available. Total of 50 and a half. This one opened at 48 and a half, but still holding steady at around 50 and a half throughout the week. We're both on Green Bay, Mo. But you take this first on why you like the Packers, and I'll back you up here. Well, I just really like this offense in this spot. I bet some Packers team total over as well. Looks like Christian Watson is a favorite to go, I think. It's been over a month since he he went down with strained groin, maybe. 
really odd injury against the Chiefs. But <clears throat> yeah, I, I think the the market definitely seeing what I'm seeing here in terms of the total for sure that has inched upwards and juice starting to look like it might drop to Packers minus seven soon at their one fifteen one twenty everywhere. So uh, I really like their matchup up front specifically against a pretty weak Cowboys front that yes, they can get pressure at times, but have been bulldozed in the running game and really just still at the end of the day, have a mediocre pressure rate. So I also think just to throw an extra thing out there, since we already talked about this one a lot, but these props weren't out yet. I really like Aaron Jones leading rusher plus 700. I think that is just a great bet. I I think you can even look at Jordan Love plus 950 leading passer. I mean, but I just like Jones a little more, but especially if A.J. Dillon sits. Right. I'm with you one way or the other, too. I think we are both in love with this Packers offense, especially against Dallas's defense. Prescott and Love rank number one and two in EP per dropback plus completion percentage over expected composite ranking since week nine. So still think the market is undervaluing Green Bay offensively. But what's gone unnoticed is you look at this Dallas defense since week 12, number 29 in dropback success rate allowed. And I know Stefan Gilmore is probably going to suit up with that shoulder injury, but still a dislocated shoulder going back to Sunday. Who knows how that affects him? Even if it doesn't, a very favorable matchup for Love. Like you hit on Packers offensive line, number two, pass block win rate going up against the Cowboys defense in front and just defense overall that really relies on generating pressure. If Love gets time, he has been elite against man coverage, also elite off play action when you look at PFF grades. And to your point about Jones, Cowboys ranked dead last in the league in rushing success rate allowed over all this season. So whether it's a slower tempo and the Packers can go slow with Jones and he ends up having a monster game on the ground or Love decimates this Cowboys secondary, assuming he gets time because if he doesn't, could lead to some turnovers. He's been dominant over this stretch. I think 18 touchdowns, one pick. But if the Packers get the positive game script or at least the pass protection that we expect, Love should dominate. And then Prescott's going to have success against Joe Barry's defense, assuming it's a lot of zone coverage and Packers can be exploited down the ground, which has been a staple in a negative sense under Joe Barry. But we saw it against the Bears, a lot of five-man pressures against Justin Fields. Now, I know Prescott isn't the rusher necessarily that Fields is, but I would love to see five-man pressures mixed in with man coverage just because Prescott can be a little less efficient against man-to-man. And then last point I want to bring up, if you'd like the Packers to win the game outright, we both think the Packers have a shot to potentially pull off the straight-up upset. Green Bay, I was looking at this. I don't know how far you want to go with this, Mo, but 40-1 to to win the NFC. And I did a quick rollover parlay bet. If you went money line rollover instead, let's say Packers are about plus 380 against San Francisco, plus 140 if they played Detroit. Now, they may not wind up playing Detroit if we did get that NFC Championship game matchup. But just for conversation, I think there's a little bit more value in the futures market than a money line rollover strategy. Any quick thoughts on a long shot here with Green Bay to come out of the NFC? I think they're probably live, but I, I don't know. I don't know how they could beat San Fran though, but just because of the rush defense, I mean, they are just going to get bulldozed by yeah. Christian McCaffrey, but you would just have to parlay with the over at that point and hope for the best, I think. <laughs> but 
because they're definitely going to allow some points. But yeah, I don't see them being very big underdogs to Detroit. On to the Detroit Lions. Three-point home favorites, minus 110 both ways. More market movement towards the Rams throughout the week. Total of 51 and a half. You pulled the trigger on Detroit, Mo. So you're back in Jared Goff against Matt Stafford. And I'm with you to an extent. But why did you decide to play the Lions at minus three? Uh, just really wanted that three. If I was going to pull the trigger, it did drop to three minus one fifteen. We even saw a three flat for a little bit at Caesars, but it's come back up across the board one fifteen everywhere. I think. Um, yeah, I just I know I'm on an island with this one, and everyone in the world loves the Rams, sharps and random button clickers alike. But <laughs> I just think this Lions offense is not. I think it's way stronger than people are just giving it credit for. Man. I, I'm very skeptical that this Rams D can hold up. Their metrics are mediocre. We know how bad this roster is on that end of the ball. They're in the 20s in DVOA, 15th-ish in EPA against both the rush and the pass. I think they're going to get demolished by Detroit up front. And this Rams offense, yes, they're good. Yes, they've had a nice run. Yes, Matt Stafford has been playing great for the most part, but they've been mostly beating up on patsies. I mean... They faced two good defenses in that stretch of games, Cleveland and Baltimore. Yes, they scored a lot of points, but the Ravens also don't play into the way people have exploited Stafford's lack of mobility. They don't get that much pressure. We talked about that. That's why I like the Rams. And then in that Cleveland game, you know, Miles Garrett was playing with one arm, so I don't know how much credit to give them in that one. It just comes down to this Detroit secondary. Can they cover Puka and... uh Coop, maybe not. I mean, this is obviously the weak Ryan point Branch of the team. Ryan Branch in the slot may be so, the one counterpoint to that against against Cup. Yeah, they obviously have had a rough season, but they'll get some coverage from their uh, – they'll get some help up front, third in pressure rates. And, and they blitz a decent amount too, and the Giants really got to Stafford with their blitzes, multiple 10-yard sacks. I kind of think if that happens a couple times, that might be enough for Detroit. They don't need that many stops in this game, so – I think three is kind of disrespectful to Detroit. I mean, I know everyone likes the Rams and for good reason, they have literally covered like seven straight games, but I, I like the other side here. I really do think, I know I, on our first edition of beat the closing number this week, I said, I don't like saying square dog of the week. I really do think the Rams are the square dog of the week, just because betters like you and I were kind of waiting to fade Detroit in the playoffs and automatically on top of the fact that the Rams are red hot, batters are going to the window and betting the Rams. I'm with you, though. I just think the number is a little bit short. Now, with that said, I haven't bet the Lions, but you look at their run defense, number one in run DVOA, top 10 in both EPA per carry and rushing success rate allowed. You have Ali McNeil back, one of the more underrated nose tackles in the NFL. And then to your point, Lions with the top 10 blitz rate and pressure rate. Stafford ranks number 34 among qualified quarterbacks and pressure catchable pass rate and number 23 in pressure completion percentage, both below league average Rams also 21st and pass block win rate and no boom and Dotson more so just because Dotson's a better pass blocker than no boom, both banged up. Detroit also has a special teams edge, which is kind of going unnoticed. We saw the Rams special teams get burned by the Ravens in overtime with that punt return for a touchdown and the giants punt six that almost put them tied in the final few minutes. So Laporta banged up. We don't know his status, but I'm with you on Detroit, at least 
matchup wise. So those are wild card bets. I like the Packers. Mo likes the Packers. Mo likes the Lions. And he also likes some Chiefs props. Now, as we promised, the winner of the Circa Millions contest, picking five NFL spreads each week, going back to week one over at Circa Sports, Matt Saints. First off, man, you won with the Bills, Giants, and Lions among your week 18, your five picks in the week 18 cards. So, Four undefeated weeks for you along the way. Flat out, congratulations on winning the A Million in the Circa Millions contest. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's been a, a crazy good year on my end. And uh, this past weekend was a, was a weekend of a lifetime and um, definitely caught a lot of breaks along the way. And it's been, it's, it's been a great experience and it's uh, cloud nine, to say the least. I'm sure our listeners and viewers want to get to know you a little bit first. And Mo and I are definitely interested in that too. So what's your sports betting journey like? And how did you wind up signing up for the Circa Millions contest? Did you participate in the contest before too? Uh, no. So this is my first year joining Circa Millions. Um, I had done a couple offshore contests um, in previous years, uh, but mostly throughout the football season prior to this year. Um, I tried my hand at DFS, not a very good DFS player. I'll be, I'll admit that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> who is, <laughs> I know it's tough. There's a lot <laughs> of sharks out there. Um, but no, I, I wanted to focus on millions this year. Last year it was around this time last year. I told my wife I was going to go out and register and, and try it out. Um, had no idea. My level of expectations were really, really, really small, but, um, but I gave it a shot. I had, um, done a lot of work over the summer to get ready for this year. And it, and it obviously paid off, but, um, from a sports betting aspect, I, I live in Minnesota, so we, we don't have any legalized gambling here. So my sports betting acumen, it revolves around flying out to Vegas once or twice a year for a football weekend with the boys. And, and that's about it. So not a regular better. Um, but I've been obviously paying attention to this stuff. Uh, you know, I listen to uh Vison on a regular basis for the last four or five years. So I've, I've I've kind of gone away from like the local talk radio and into the sports betting stuff as just like fun to listen to and, and uh, to keep my head around uh, the games and how the markets are doing. When you say you prepped, first of all, what was that involving? And then to follow that up, what sort of like, did you have like a general strategy or did you just take everything week to week? Like, were you trying to go in and maybe pick a few contrarian sides? Were you trying to identify specific teams and just bet them as a system? Uh, how did you approach the contest from even, like you said, preseason when you were said you were getting some prep stuff done? Yeah, so um, I, I developed my own power ratings over the summer. Um, I had read a, a few tutorials and followed a few, a few key people along the way um, that have given free advice, and I, and I developed my own that way. Um, I also created like a big grid of every team, um, what their um, schedule looked like. So if I knew if they were coming off of a prime time or a mini buy or long buy, London trips, et cetera. Um, I picked up Warren Sharp's book this year and, and looked at a lot of the, the recent trends and, and read a lot of his uh, preseason um, analysis um, that dated back last year. Um, and, and so then I um, developed, like I said, just a, an initial power rating system um, this year. And then after every Sunday would get over every Monday morning, I'd go in and, and adjust, um, accordingly or adjust for injuries or trends and just teams that are going the right direction, wrong direction. Um, so that was a part of my, uh, my process in the, in the off season and then how I kind of updated it and used it. And take us back to Sunday night, man. I 
can't imagine what that was like for you sweating Bills minus three, which was the final piece to the puzzle for you winning circa million. So even before that, did you hedge it all with the Dolphins? Because that was the pick you needed to win it, like I touched on. And what was it like? after the interception of Tua <laughs> in the final two minutes. Yeah, I, I did do a small hedge. Um, once I knew I locked in second place, I, I did bridge the gap a little bit um, between the two, um, but still heavily weighted towards the first place prize. So, um, But when that when that game was happening, um, obviously it was kind of a lull with Buffalo. I mean, coming out of the, the, the half with the, the tackle at the half-inch line, you know, basically it's like, man, they just left a ton of points on the table. You can't do that in these close divisional games. Um, and then it was kind of a lull. The whole third quarter seemed like it was just kind of, you know, back and forth, back and forth punts, no scoring happening. And then, then the punt return by Deontay Hardy just like, it's what Buffalo needed. It's what my group needed in the booth. Like we, we, we started jumping up and down. We kind of had life again. Um, you know, before the game started, I told my buddies, I even talked to my wife before it, like, you know, whatever happens, happens like a top two place in this contest is ridiculous. You know, it's like, that's even a once in a lifetime thing. So I, I, I did have like a good like mindset, like, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, but then once Buffalo got the score to take the lead, that was probably the first time I felt nerves all day. It was just like, cause it felt like it was finally, you know, maybe in my hands a little bit. And then the, the nerves really amped up when Allen did not convert that fourth and one, because here comes Miami. They're, they're going to march down in my whole, in my head. I'm saying, you know, if they get a touchdown, they're going for two. And it doesn't even matter what happens on that too, because I'm not going to cover no matter what. So that was my whole thing was like, we need a defensive stop. We need a turnover because if they march and get a TD, it's over. I mean, I think you're probably right. Uh, they probably would have gone for two. Uh, just seems like a situation where they would know they're underdogs. They're, they've been kind of outplayed. So yeah. And, and they're, I, I rattled think, with uh, it, they're rattled with injuries too. Why, why, why play right. another 10 minutes if you, if you don't right. need to. Yeah. I feel like you're probably right. So, uh, <laughs> Luck when out. you say, when you say you had a group with you, can you explain? So, did you have some backers, or are you just talking about you had your boys there to sweat with you? And then, like, also, can you kind of tell us what the whole experience was like? Just how did Circa treat you? What did they roll out for you, red carpet wise? Was there a couple other groups that you guys were kind of sweating against or around that? that were your competitors in the contest? Yeah, so um, my group was just my buddies. Um, I, I actually kept it pretty tight lip all year, a very superstitious person by nature. So I'd only told a few of my buddies along the way that I was doing this contest. Um, so when it, when it became like close to contention, I think like mid-December, they were starting to reach out, like, can I book my trip to Vegas yet? I'm like, you guys do what you wanna do. I'm not booking anything until week 17 is over. Cause I didn't wanna like get ahead of myself. Cause I knew like, if I do that, I'm going to go one and four, one and four, and I'll drop to 50th and it's a moot point. But so I just had some buddies. Um, I was solo on the, on the entry. So all my, all my picks were, were on me and, um, and no investors or anything like that. Um, and from a circus standpoint, they were, they were awesome all weekend. Um, very, very hospitable. What a great organization and place to, to do this contest and to sweat out the games. Um, you know, they, you know, accommodated with, transportation and, and lodging for the weekend. And then, um, and then Jeff Benson, the director of the sports book, he was just outstanding all weekend with, with me and the other competitors as well. Um, they were accommodating from, uh, all the contestants that were at the upper portion of the, 
of the standings from a credit standpoint. So if we wanted to get down on a hedge, they were very open to, to allowing that and um, making that happen. So um, they were great. And then as far as sweating next to me, um, the group that finished fifth, I think they were named, their name was Manifest. They were sweating bills with us. So we, we started like, you know, in the second half starting to, you know, have a little camaraderie with those guys, um, which were fun. I think they were a group of four that split their entry, um, three or four guys. And then um, from RD, I, I, I had heard he was in the book. I didn't cross paths with him at all. So, you know, from uh, anybody that was sweating against, you know, what, what we were going for, um, you know, it wasn't really close by or anything like that. So I wasn't any like animosity or, or like looking over my shoulder to see, you know, how we were acting versus they were acting or anything like that. So, but overall the, the Circa team and, and Derek Stevens and what they've got going on there, it's just second to none. It was a lifetime. Like it was an experience of a lifetime really um, from everything that happened from the time I got off the plane on Friday to the time I you know left um, the red eye Monday night after the college playoff championship. So that was fun. Sounds unbelievable. Mo and I both know Jeff Benson, Derek Stevens, Jeff Davis. I don't know if he was there supporting you a little bit, but I know Jeff pretty well going back to my days as a radio producer. So all great guys mm -hmm. from when Jeff was at Caesars, I'm saying, but all great guys over at Circus Sports for sure. Matt, you told us before you came on the podcast that you're from Minnesota and there was something about a Vikings sex scandal so not to say something completely tangential to the circa millions but oh, yeah. when you hear something like that you have to ask yeah so this is uh man this was mid-2000s this is dante culpepper being on the vikes this is bryant mckinney fred smoot era um and so I, I live in the the suburbs of minneapolis just south of lake minnetonka where this infamous incident occurred uh the vikings had just gone um on a bye week and they decided to rent a houseboat on Lake Minnetonka and have a lot of extracurricular fun, uh, fun on the on the waters and left, leaving lots of residue and evidence of, of what took place. I won't go into the details. Um, there's a lot of fun articles, so um, I'll let you guys go find those details on your own. Um, but the next week, when they came off the bye week, this is uh, Vikings versus Carolina Panthers, and Steve Smith had a field day on Fred Smoot. And um, Steve Smith, after one touchdown, I would probably burn him for about 80 yards, gets down on his butt and just starts rolling the boat. And that was, uh, that was a, an infamous uh, Vikings uh, um, I don't know, story that uh, lives on around here in these areas. Hopefully Love all it. the locals loaded up against uh, <laughs> the Vikes the next week when they knew the story. Oh, my goodness. I think, uh, I think Dante tore his ACL that day. I think his career is never the same. <laughs> yeah, Steve Smith burned a lot of people, a lot of corners back then, too. I remember 05 Bears Panthers torched Tillman and that Chicago secondary. But we talk about bets. Mo said, hopefully, Vikings fans and betters got down on the Panthers. But looking at wildcard weekend, the Vikings aren't playing, completely faltering down the mm -hmm. stretch. I think losing, what, five or six, six or seven, whatever it was. What are your favorite wildcard bets? Maybe you're betting against the NFC North champs out of spite. <laughs> what what are you looking at this weekend for the NFL? Yeah, I'm not sure what the current line is in that that Rams and Detroit game. Uh, earlier in the week, it was Rams or uh, it was Detroit um, three and a half. I, I, I don't know if it's three. I probably wouldn't touch it. If it's three and a half, I'd probably take 
take a little bit of a it's a city three range. minus 110 okay. at most bucks yeah that's probably i don't know now that it's th- down to three it's probably a stay away um you know at three and a half i do like the rams uh, i think with uh, laporta's injury i'm not sure if he's going to be able to go if he does i don't know if he's going to be fully healthy i think uh, the the vikings proved that that secondary is very uh, susceptible to long plays so even if uh, detroit does get a lead i think the rams are going to be able to stay in that game um, with uh, with their passing attack and Kyron Williams, I, I think their defense has been somewhat underrated. I know they're not like great from just a, you know talent wise, but together as a unit, they've they've actually outperformed. And that was a team like I got dead wrong in the off season, and they've completely blown away my expectations. I thought they'd be a bottom five team in the league, especially if um, if they faltered. But I think the Rams are playing hot. They're on the, they're they're in the dome too. They're familiar. You got the Stafford angle versus Goff, so that's going to be a super fun game. Um, so so I, so I, I lean the Rams there. If it's and especially if it gets to three and a half, three might be kind of a, a stay away. But um, if it if it claws back to three and a half and Detroit gets some money, I, I'd like to go the other way on that and take the dog. Matt Saint, the winner of the Circa Millions contest, picking five spreads a week over at Circus Sports. God bless you. I said it earlier on the podcast. I'll say it again. Congratulations, man, especially because you're in this by yourself. So I'm sure your wife is pretty pumped up <laughs> to say the yeah. least, but really appreciate the time, man. And we'll definitely be talking to you sometime soon. Yeah. Anytime guys. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure to join you today. Mo. Are you winning the Circa Millions next year? Probably not. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's uh, it kind of want makes you want to get salty when you see a first time newbie just rip it off, no problem. And I've been doing it for ten years, and we've had actually good results most of the years, but just not ever coming close to winning. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna guess no again. <laughs> minus 500 no if we're making hypothetical odds i still can't believe you don't think you're gonna get sick going to chiefs dolphins on saturday night i mean bad experience two years ago but we made it through last year so uh let's hope we're on a hot streak good luck to you good luck to matt with his rams bet potential rams bet good luck to us with our wild card bets despite the fact that we're kind of oppo on Chiefs Dolphins, although your Chiefs props can hit. Win by three, you go home happy. Dolphins cover. I sit in the bar happily. So I think we both could be winners on Saturday night. But hopefully you enjoyed yet another edition of Beat the Closing Number. Mo, any last words before we get out of here? Nope. Chiefs by three. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. For Mo, you can follow him on X at Monawara GWs. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. Follow the lines at the Lines US. You can get all of our bets in real time in the Lions Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. Play.thelines.com to get our bets in real time. Just head over to the roles section of the server to get notifications. Also, thelines.com to get our betting columns. I have my best bets column up for Wild Card Weekend. Thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody, and good luck on your bets.